0: Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. Today I want to talk to you more about the subject of mythomaniacs. We started this yesterday and uh, was largely talking more about the political scene, what's going on in our world today. And boy, it's alive there. Mythomaniacs, what is that? Well, basically, it's just the pathological lying that is going on, and we're seeing it supported in the media and selling uh, certain lies. I want to talk about it more about the society of lies, how this web of lies is so thick within our world today That many of us have grown up with these um, deceptions, fiction, but presented to us as fact. I mean, you can't go into a school today, a public school, and not be taught some lies that's presented to us as fact. Even though they they don't have proof for some of the things that they allege to be true, it's presented to us just simply, that's how it is, and our children accept it. We'll cover some of that here in a bit. But let me point out some, th- some things that were said by some great deceivers. Adolf Hitler wrote in his uh, 1925 book, Mein Kampf, about the use of a lie that he called a colossal lie. He said, no one would believe that someone could have the impudence to distort the truth so infamously. In other words, if the lie is so big, if it's, I mean, no one with reason would think that a person could say such a tall lie. So the bigger the lie, the more likely people would just simply believe it. And Joseph Goebbels, the his you know propaganda leader, he spoke much about this, and he said very clearly. He says, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. If thus becomes, it thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its power to repress, dissent. Now get this. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. So if a state is built, if you, if you build a government, a state, a country, a nation, upon deception, upon a lie, and you know it, then you have to protect the people from finding the truth. You've got to keep that from happening. And therefore, the truth becomes the greatest enemy of the state. Uh, let me remind you what Charles Haddon Spurgeon had said about the problem of living with a distorted, you know, if you if you take these glasses and wear them, the this distortion, this lie, this deception, this fiction, uh, you're not going to be capable of knowing the difference between the truth and the false. He said, he that perverts truth shall soon be incapable of knowing the truth from the false. If you persist in wearing glasses that distort, everything will be distorted to you. Now I believe we have been living in such a thick web of lies. We've grown up with a society in the West, a society of lies, of this fiction, or again, mythomaniacs. We've developed this so well within our nation. And and, and I believe those who wish to sell a lie think that everyone will believe it because, let's face it, (laughs) we've been buying this stuff, these lies, for quite some time. And these are anti-God lies, by the way. These are lies against God, lies against the things that God says is good for us and right for us and wholesome for us. And we've been living against these things for so long now. And I think the left believes that they can just say anything and everyone would just simply accept it and believe it. And I believe we've been, uh, when do we turn down this road? I I, I would take it to Darwin. Back in 1859, he published *The Origin of Species*, and I think this would be the dawn of this new age, this mythomaniac age that has been growing, and I think it's well cemented amongst us. In that, uh, by the way, I, and, and I need to get, I need to find the book. There was a book published, and I've heard about this, and I, I just need to get this and get this quote and have it at hand. But on the 100th year, the celebration of Darwinism, they published a book, and they've admitted in the foreword, I mean, it was hailing all the great, you know, things of Darwinism and and evolution and how far they've come and stuff. But in the foreword, it actually made a very interesting admission. And I'm going to give it to you kind of how I remember it being read um, to me, someone read it to me there, and I couldn't believe it. And basically, it says even though that they, they've not been able, they've had hundred years, and, they, and science hasn't given them the, you know, the conclusive proof that you know that we came from the origins of man came from natural selection from evolution and so on there. And uh, th- th- then it kind of turned to this, you know, because we've not been able to secure that proof. To reject the tenets of evolution, even though they don't have it, even though they don't have the proof for us, you know, we just can't reject the tenets of evolution, because then that would leave us with thinking that the origin of man came from a creator, and uh, and to think that there was a creator that would suggest that there's a God, and that would just simply be unthinkable. <laughs> so basically, they're saying that even though we can't prove evolution, we just... You know, we can't suggest that there's a God. That would be unthinkable. In other words, they want to believe the lie. The lie is comforting to them because to say that there is a God would mean that there's a moral accountability to that God. And that's what they want to believe is unthinkable. They don't want to think about that. And there's other lies that we've been spinning as a result of this, because of the, the birth of this, and such a big lie, that we believe that that we got here without God, that all the great design and things that we see in this world, that God, that the Bible tells us in, in Romans uh, uh, chapters 1 and 2, shows us that there is a creator because of the creation of this world, and that we've taken the very things to say that there is no God. That takes a great, enormous amount of faith, but people have bought that. And, uh, and that big lie has been sold and, and accepted. We've gone into other lies. Abortion, for example. Another mythomaniac view. And this myth destroys lives because they're saying, oh, that's not a baby there. It's just tissue. It's just a fetus. It's like removing an organ, a liver or lung or whatever, you know. And, and after all, it's my body, my choice. No, pregnant women don't just have their body there's two bodies there that uh, there's now four legs and four eyes and four lungs and two hearts and it's not just your body ladies and 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 they keep having to sell that lie because it would be unthinkable to acknowledge that that's really a baby there because if that's then a baby and if we terminate it that's murder and that would be unthinkable so we can't have that so we again the lie the myth We want to live in it, because if we accept the alternative, then there's a creator, and that's a baby, and that there's a moral consequence to our actions. Transgenderism is another great example of this mythomaniac viewpoint, that they can just sell it. That's not a boy, that's a girl, or that's not a girl, that's a boy. Now, yes, true, some people are born. Uh, hermaphrodites. In other words, they don't have the genitalia to determine what they are, but I'm here to tell you that um, people are saying, follow the science, follow the science. Okay, well, let's follow the science. Every person has either one or the other chromosomes. If they have two X chromosomes, that's female. If they have one of each XY, that's male. And hermaphrodites have either... One set of the chromosomes or the other. God has given us order. But no, we want to believe the lie that boys could be girls and girls could be boys or whatever. Oh, here's another one. Islam's a religion of peace. <laughs> uh, this myth, this myth is deadly. I'm here to tell you, Muhammad. Uh, understood the value of deceit. He said war is deceit. He used deception a lot. There are four laws of deception within the Islamic tenets. In fact, by the way, the 45th in the 40s um, is not, not always consistent in the numbers, but you've heard of the 99 names of Allah, his different attributes, and one of the names of Allah, one of his attributes is the al-Makra, the al-Makra. You study that out and you'll find out that basically it's saying that Allah is the great deceiver. The great deceiver. When the Bible tells me who the great deceiver is. And that's the devil. He's the father of lies. Isn't that interesting? All right, here's another one. <laughs> it brings us back to modern day and what's going on. Oh, these are, you know, those rioters, they're they're peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> burning down property, destroying things, looting, and everything. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a peaceful protest. And they wonder why the media wonders why we don't believe them anymore, why there's certain media outlets out there that just, we know, cannot be trusted. Uh, Ciesla Bach wrote a book, Lying the Moral Choice in Public and Private Life. This book was published back in 1978. And it says uh, that there are three essential features to a lie. A lie communicates some information. The liar intends to deceive or mislead. And the third essential feature about a lie is that the liar believes that what they are saying is not true. Sometimes there's more comfort to believe the lie, as I've it is explained, to accept that there's a God, uh, that there is a creator, then that means that there's moral accountability to that creator. If I kill that if I abort this fetus, and if I'm killing a baby, that would be murder, and I'm going to feel guilty about that. You know, the Bible speaks about that guilt. It talks about the law written in their hearts. In Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter 3, it goes into great depths on these subjects. And basically, within every man's heart, the Bible tells us in in Romans chapter 2 verse 15, That their conscience, bearing witness also, and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing and excusing. It tells us that that the work of the law is written in their hearts. God's commandments were written in our hearts. That's why when you tell a lie, which is the ninth commandment, don't bear false witness, don't bear deception, don't lie, don't deceive, when you do, you've broken God's law. This is one of the nine commandments. And when you do that, it's written in, in your heart, in your conscience, and it accuses you. You did wrong. That's why when we do lie, we deceive, and we know it was wrong. Now, some people do lie because they don't realize that what they've told is false, that you know, they, they were mistaken. And a lot of people are buying these lies that they've been told as fact by their teachers, And they carry out that lie and they live that lie. But in their conscience, they know it's wrong. Well, we're going to have to stop there, folks. But we'll tackle more on this tomorrow at the corner of truth and courage. God bless you.